morning, Orchard. Take out your Bibles this morning. Turn to John chapter 10, verse 11. We're beginning a brand new four-week series called I Am Jesus. This is going to take us right up to Easter Sunday about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, when we uh, say that this series is called I Am Jesus, I want to set the record straight right now. I don't think I am Jesus. I think you all know that. Just talk to my wife. I'm far from it. What we're actually going to be doing is looking at the four of the seven I am statements from the book of John. And you might ask, well, what is significant about an I am statement? Why is that significant? This is a statement that Jesus made several times. We sang about it this morning that God is the great, what church? I am. And we get this from the fact that when Moses went to the burning bush and God spoke to him through the burning bush, that God uh, told Moses, when you tell people what my name is just say I am sent you and that was a title for God the great I am and then Jesus shows up on the scene and we don't believe that Jesus was just a good person or or just a prophet or just even the son of God we believe that Jesus Christ was God in human flesh amen and he declared that because many times he said I am the I am and in John chapter 18 one of my favorite stories you've got Jesus with his disciples remember this scene and they're in the garden of Gethsemane the night he was arrested and betrayed and the Romans soldiers show up in the garden looking for Jesus to arrest him and Jesus steps forward and he says who are you looking for and they said we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth and remember how Jesus answered he said I am he and they all fell down all the soldiers I mean God just knocked them on their butts I mean that's the power of the name I am and then I, I love that story that they, they all fall down and Jesus goes now who'd you say you were looking for <laughs> you know they're like oh you and, and it's I am is a significant statement and in the book of John seven Seven times Jesus ties that I am to some descriptions about himself. He says, I am the door. I am the bread of life. I am the, uh, the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And then the, the phrase we're going to look at today, the title for Jesus, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. That's where we're going to start this series today. John chapter 10, verse 11. These are Jesus' words. If you have a Bible that has it in red, it's in in red letter. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Everybody say good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for who? He gives them for the sheep. And, and we know he's the good shepherd because God is good. The gospel means good news. He's the good shepherd. Now when Jesus declares that he's the good shepherd, I think he's also letting us know there are some shepherds who are not good. There are those who want to hurt the sheep and lead the sheep astray. And we know this because look at chapter 10, verse 1, as Jesus begins this subject. He says in John 10, 1, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter into the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up, sneaks in some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. And he's talking about, I believe, our enemy, Satan, the devil, who everything that... Jesus wants to do that's good in our life. Satan wants to destroy and steal in our life. And then if you look in verse 10, John 10, 10, he talks about Satan. The thief does not come except to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But I, the good shepherd, have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Satan wants exactly the opposite of the good shepherd. So if Jesus is the good shepherd in this metaphor, who are the sheep? We are. We're, we're the sheep. He's the good shepherd, and we're the sheep in this, in this metaphor. Now, sheep are mentioned more than any other animal in the Bible. Over 200 times the Bible mentions sheep. 
And while we're on the subject of animals in the Bible, I just I checked this out just so you know. Dogs are mentioned in the Bible 44 times. Dogs are mentioned in the Bible. You know how many times cats are mentioned in the Bible? Zero. No mention of cats. Well, actually, the closest mention to a cat in the Bible is when it talks about a lion. Because it's in the cat family and it says that Satan, our enemy, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Just, just throwing that in there to help you guys out this morning a little bit. But, but we're sheep. Now, when God refers to us as sheep, that, that Jesus is the good shepherd and we are the sheep, that's actually an insult. That's not a good thing. Because if you know anything about sheep, sheep are dumb. Sheep are stupid. I mean, how many of you guys have ever been to the circus? Okay, you've been to the circus? Raise your hand. Okay, been to the circus? How many of you have ever seen a trained sheep at the circus? Doesn't happen. You got trained monkeys and, you know, trained lions and, and elephants. You don't see a trained sheep. If you want a sheep to play dead, you got to shoot it. And that trick only works one time. Sheep are stupid. Sheep are dumb. Here's an example. Let me show you. What do you want? When do you want it? Hey, you want it? <laughs> sheep are dumb. Sheep are stupid. That's why sheep desperately need a shepherd. And not just any shepherd, the good shepherd. Now I hope you'll take some notes this morning. Because as we think of this metaphor and we're sheep, there are four challenges of being a sheep. The first one is this. Sheep get lost easily. They tend to wander off. They're like a lot of men. We get lost easily. We're not willing to stop and ask for directions, man, if we're honest, most of us. Uh, I heard a lady one time say, you know the reason the children of Israel were lost for 40 years in the wilderness? You know why? Because Moses was leading them and he wouldn't stop and ask for directions. Sheep get lost easily. Isaiah 53, 6 says it this way. All of us. Let me just stop right there. It, no one is excluded from this. We're all in the same boat, spiritually. Not, not some of us, not most of us. How many of us, church? All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. All of us, at some point in our life, have probably strayed away from God's perfect plan and path for our life. I know I have. I know there have been times I've strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own path and our own way. And, and, and we see this in people sometimes wandering through life with no direction and no purpose. They're looking for happiness. They're looking for satisfaction. They're looking for fulfillment, but they're just wandering aimlessly through life. This is the testimony we often hear from people here at Orchard Church that, that come to our church and they find Christ and they get saved, they get baptized, they start getting discipled, they start growing in their faith and they say, you know, before I found Jesus, I was just wandering aimlessly through life. I was lost. I went from job to job and house to house and, and hobby to hobby and car to car and relationship to relationship. And from one bad decision, bad decision to another bad decision, I was just wandering around aimlessly. And we, we've all probably been there at some point. Sheep get lost easily. Here's another challenge to sheep. Sheep are defenseless. Sheep are defenseless. I mean, most animals have some kind of natural way to protect themselves, whether they have fangs or they have claws or they have poison. Some animals are really fast and they can run away to defend themselves. They can fly away to defend themselves. Sheep have no way to defend themselves. About the only way a sheep can defend themselves when they're being attacked is this way. Back off. 
I know that was really bad. I appreciate the courtesy laugh for your pastor this morning to encourage me. I got to do this three times. We're defenseless. And like sheep, we're defenseless. We have an enemy, Satan, the devil, that like a roaring lion seeks to devour us and attack us and to steal, kill, and destroy us and and bring a lot of bad things into our life. And without Jesus Christ, our good shepherd, we're in trouble. We are defenseless. We need the good shepherd to protect us as we're going to talk about today. Sheep get lost easily. They're defenseless. Here's another challenge of sheep. Sheep are very stubborn. They're very stubborn. Turn to the person next to you and say, I think he might be talking to you. Okay, now some of you are like, oh, I've just been waiting to say that. And pastor gave me permission in church today. Others of you, when I told you to do that, this was your response. I'm not going to say that. I rest my case. People are stubborn. Like sheep, we're very stubborn. Sheep, they say sheep are so stubborn that if sheep... get their head, they're trying to get food and they get their head wedged between two rocks. They're so stubborn, they won't back themselves out. They'll keep trying to go forward even to death because they're so stubborn. They won't, you know, beep, beep. They won't do that. They'll just keep trying to go forward. That's how stubborn they are. Now, how many of us know someone like that? They're that stubborn. I said, raise your hand. Don't point. Just raise your hand. Okay. Somebody might be pointing at you. We like sheep can be very stubborn. You know, there's the girl that's always attracting the wrong kind of guy. But they're so stubborn, they won't change the bait that they're using. And then they wonder, why am I keeping attracting this kind of guy? Or there's the guy that keeps, you know, spending his money unwisely, never has a penny to his name. And somebody says, well, you know, maybe you need to get on a plan. You need to get on a budget. And he's like, oh, no, I don't want that's restricting. Stubborn. Like sheep. We can be very stubborn, can't we? Number four, sheep. There's another challenge of sheep. Sheep are filthy. They are filthy. Now, when we think of sheep, because a lot of us, most of us didn't grow up on a farm and we don't live around a whole lot of farms, so we don't see a lot of sheep on a regular basis. And so when we think of sheep, we think of these kind of sheep, like you would see at the county fair. You know, maybe you take, take your family, you go down to Adams County Fairgrounds, and you see these, and they're so wide, and they're so pretty, and they're so trim. Listen, those sheep only got that way because of that boy sitting right there. He cleaned them up. Here is what sheep look like in their natural habitat when nobody has cleaned them. This is what they look like. They're filthy. They're they're a mess. Now, I'll even go as far as saying this. Even cats know how to keep themselves clean. There you go, cat lovers. Pastor Doug finally said something nice about cats. You can write it down. But respectfully, can I say this to all of us based upon the scriptures? In the eyes of God, apart from Jesus Christ and what he does in our life, we're a mess. We're filthy. We're sinful without Christ, just like sheep. Proverbs 30 verse 12 says they are pure in their own eyes. We we think we got it all together and we're doing okay. But they are, what's the next word? Filthy and unwashed, God says. Isaiah 64, 6, we are all, again, there's that word all, everyone, All infected and pure with sin. All of us. We inherited it from Adam and Eve. And when we display our righteous deeds, even when we try to clean ourselves up on our own, they are nothing but filthy rags to God. We're like sheep. We're filthy. Sheep are, they get lost easily. They're defenseless. They're very stubborn. And they're filthy. Do you see why we need a shepherd? And not just any shepherd. We need the good shepherd. Jesus, who said, I am the good shepherd. And that, there are some beautiful, 
positive, encouraging truths when you grasp them, what it means biblically. What was Jesus saying when he said, I am the good shepherd? So you're going to be encouraged, I believe, by these today. What does it mean that Jesus is the good shepherd? What does he do for us as the good shepherd and us being sheep? I hope you'll take some notes. The first thing he does for us, and I hope this will bring depth and meaning to the good shepherd, he guides. The good shepherd guides us. Look at verse 2 through 4, uh, John chapter 10, verse 2 through 4. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep do what? They hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by what, church? By name. He calls us by name, and he leads them out. He guides them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them as a guide. And the sheep do what? They follow him because they know his voice. He guides us. He knows us. He knows us by name. He calls us. He leads us. He guides us. And we're to follow the good shepherd. I mean, have you ever faced a difficult decision in your life? If you have, say yes. We all have. Maybe some of you right now are facing a difficult, challenging decision in your life. Something to do with your career or your family or your marriage or your finances or your health. The good news is we have a good shepherd, Jesus Christ, that knows his sheep by name. And he calls us by name and he leads us and he guides us. He wants to be our guide for those difficult decisions of life. And the sheep know and recognize the voice of the good shepherd. Now, some of you, as I say that, you may be, be thinking this morning, well, how do you... How do you hear Jesus' voice? You know, is it, is it like he, some audible, hey, you down there. I mean, I believe God can speak that way. But I believe the way he, he most of the time speaks to us today is through this book right here. God's word. You know, when we want to communicate to someone and we want to speak to someone, what do we use? We use our words, our speech. That's why this is called God's word. And as we open it and we read it, he guides and he directs our life and he protects us. Another way that he speaks to us is through prayer. As we, we pray and we talk to God and we ask for wisdom. I mean, I, I know that I pray James uh, chapter 1 almost every day. It says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and he'll give you wisdom liberally. Man, I have a lot of decisions to make for my family. I have a lot of decisions to make for Orchard Church. I and mean, we're getting ready to go into this building opportunity. I mean, we've got all kinds of decisions to make. And I praise God we have a good shepherd that will guide us and give us wisdom for those decisions. I believe he also uses circumstances in our life. I say this to our team all the time. I believe God opens doors and God closes doors. And we need to make sure we don't try to bust down the doors that God is closing, that God, that God has closed. He opens doors and he closes doors. But I say this, sometimes we've got to jiggle the handle. And we got to see what are the circumstances, how God is going to speak to us. I believe God also speaks to us through his people. The Bible says there's safety and security in a multitude of counsel. You know, when you've got difficult decisions to make, talk to some godly people who are walking with the good shepherd who can speak into your life and speak truth. And when all those things are working together, God guides us through his word and through his spirit and through prayer and circumstances and God's people. Do you believe that Jesus wants to guide us in our decisions? We just got to be willing to listen. Now, some of you say, well, I don't really know his voice. I don't really recognize. It. I don't really hear him. Well, I want to I say this. It's hard to hear, but, but I want to say it because I want to hopefully open the door for some of you to start hearing the good shepherd speak to you. If you're not hearing on a regular basis the good shepherd speak into your life, there's really only one of two reasons or both. Either you don't really truly know him, you don't belong to him, or number two, you just haven't spent enough time with him to recognize his voice. I can illustrate it this way. 
Um, my son Caleb is in his first year of college um, up at Northeastern in Sterling, and he's, he's playing on the baseball team as a freshman. He made the team, and he's, he's starting playing center field. And yesterday I got to go, me and my father-in-law, we drove to Sterling, got to watch a couple of his baseball games. And I remember when he was playing baseball for Prairie View High School right here, and we would go to his games, and I would always in the stands, you know, like a good father does, I was always yelling out instructions to him, you know, helping him out a little bit because, you know, the guys in the stands know more than the ones on the field, right? And so we actually had this little game because we learned that the kids would never listen to mom and dad, but they'd listen to the other mom and dads. So if I had something I wanted to tell Caleb, I'd tell one of the other dads to say it to him. And so that was a little secret you guys can use and they would listen to. But I would, I would yell stuff out, you know, and encourage him and, you know, hey, try this and, you know, at the plate, you know, don't, don't swing at that one. And, and I, in the really big games, there's lots of people yelling and screaming. And I remember one day after a game, I said, Caleb, do you, you know, in these games where there's a lot of people, do you even hear me? Or is it just noise? And he, and he immediately said, Dad, and he was serious. He goes, Dad, I always hear you. He goes, I could pick your voice out of any crowd. You know why? Because he's my son. And I'm his father. And that's the kind of relationship we have with our good shepherd as his children. And he spent, my son has spent time with me. And so if we want to hear God's voice, we need to spend more. We got to know him. We got to spend time with him. Because people who don't know God or don't spend time with him don't hear the good shepherd. But he wants to speak and he wants to guide. And that's good news. He calls us by name. I love this. He, know, he says in verse 3, he says, uh, he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. I mean, we have a personal God. Amen? That's why we say all the time here at Orchard Church, it's not about religion here at Orchard, it's about relationship. We have a God who knows us and he calls us by name. It's personal and relational. I, I used to, uh, when, when Orchard Church first started, the first few years, and, and I, I really tried to know everyone's name in our church. And I did really well to about five, six hundred people. I, I, I knew just about everybody's name. And, and, and even people on our staff would be like, I don't know how you remember their name. And I felt really good about it. And then we got to 700 and 800, and I, I, I reached my max capacity. And it was harder and harder for me to remember everybody's name. But every once in a while, God really helps me out. And, and sometimes we'll have guests come to our church, and I'll meet them one week. And somehow I'll, I'll remember their name, and they'll come back the next week. And I'll introduce myself and say, hey, good to have you back. You know, and I'll say, say their name. It doesn't always happen, but sometimes it happens. And they're like, oh, you remembered our, our name. Or I'll see somebody out. You know, King Supers are out, and I'll remember their name. And they're like, wow, you remembered my name, and it's really meaningful to them. Well, can I encourage you guys? Somebody much better than Pastor Doug knows your name, and that's Jesus Christ, our good shepherd. The God of this universe knows every one of you. He knows the hairs on your head. That's how personal and loving our good shepherd is. There's nothing outside of his view of what is going on in our life. Our enemy, Satan, likes to convince us when we go through difficulties that nobody knows what's going on and nobody cares. Our good shepherd cares. And he wants to guide us. And so when we face those decisions, whether it's a job or family or finances or health or who to marry or who to date or where to go to college, he calls us by name. He leads the sheep. And then it says in verse 3, and then the sheep know his voice and we follow. The question isn't whether or not the good shepherd wants to guide us. The question is, as sheep, are we willing to follow where he guides? Will we follow his guidance? The good shepherd guides and not only does he guide, he provides. That's the second thing. He provides. I say it all the time. Where Jesus guides, he provides as a good shepherd. I want you to turn over to one of the most famous psalms. 
in Psalm 23. Some of you may even have this memorized because it talks about Jesus, our good shepherd, and how he provides for us. In Psalm 23, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my, say it, church, shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me. There it is again. He guides me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It says he causes me to lie down. Our good shepherd causes us to lie down. How does he provide? He causes us to lie down in green pastures. Have you ever seen a sheep lie down? They don't lie down very much. Most of the time they're up running around, they're wandering off, they're eating, they're grazing. Shepherds tell us that there's three things that must happen in order for a sheep to be willing to lie down. Three things that have to be provided for them. They've got to not be hungry. They've got to not be stressed out or tense. And they've got to not be afraid. And there's times in our life that we face those things. Our soul is hungry. We're stressed out. We're tense because of relationships and situations. And we're afraid of something in our life. And our good shepherd provides all those needs for us. So we'll be willing to lie down. He feeds our soul through the word of God and his spirit. He restores our relationships. He can restore marriages and family relationships. And he protects us so we don't have to be afraid. Some of you this morning, this, this message is speaking right to you. And what you need in the midst of whatever you're going on in, in your life right now, this is speaking to you. Whatever, what you need more than anything else is the good shepherd to provide in your home, in your marriage, in your life, in your circumstances. He says he causes us to lie down in green pastures. He provides those security for us. And verse 2 said, says he leads us beside what kind of waters? Still waters. They say that sheep will not drink from fast-moving water. You know why? Because they're sheep. And they might fall in. And then there'll be a big wet cotton ball and they'll drown. It's really what will happen. And so they, they won't drink from fast-moving water. They've got to be led beside still waters, which means there's got to be calm. Jesus, our good shepherd, knows how to bring a supernatural calm in our life, even when it seems like the waters are raging out of control around us. He provides that. And then verse 3 says, he restores my what? My soul. It doesn't say he restores my circumstances. Sometimes circumstances are not good in our life. What's going on on the outside? And, and, and it may look like you've got everything going on in, and together on the outside. And everybody that sees you think, man, this person's got it all together. But you know on the inside... Your life is a wreck and it's a mess. And the good news is the good shepherd Jesus will restore your soul. And the amazing thing is when we know the good shepherd that all hell can literally be breaking loose on the outside. And yet Jesus our good shepherd can provide rest and peace and hope and joy on the inside. Aren't you thankful for a good shepherd that restores our soul in the midst of turbulent waters? The good shepherd guides and the good shepherd provides. Now those are really nice, aren't they? It'd be nice if we just ended right there. He guides and provides. I like that. You might not like the third one as much, but it's actually a really good thing. He corrects. The good shepherd corrects. This is a good thing. God loves us enough. Jesus loves us enough. And, and too much to allow us to wander off into danger. If sheep are allowed to just wander off, they'll get eaten by wolves or attacked by a wild animal. They can fall off of a cliff. And so the shepherd sometimes has to lovingly correct the sheep. And he does that because he loves them. The correction is a loving correction. 
And, and I think about this in terms of being a parent. You know, we've raised two children or in the process of raising two children. Our son is off at college. Our, our, our daughter, Missy, is, is finishing up her last year. She's about to graduate here soon. And I remember when they were very young and we would have to correct them and we'd have to discipline them. And I know this isn't a message about parenting, but this might help some of you guys. It might make some of you mad, but that's okay. Let me say this. When we'd have to lovingly correct them, we would, they'd get in trouble for something, and we would first send them to their room to cool off. And it was also so mom and dad could cool off because we always wanted to correct them lovingly and not out of anger and frustration. And so you say, well, how did you correct? Did you spank? Yes, we did in our home. You may disagree with that, but we did. And we have a son in college, a daughter that's going to graduate a year early from high school, and none of them are in jail. So I think things have worked out okay for us. Just throwing that out there, okay, for what it's worth, all right? And it, my wife had a motto in our house that we lived by, and it worked really well. A spanking in time saves nine. And it worked really well. And, and so we didn't have to spank our kids very, I mean, very much, very little because they respected us and we lovingly corrected them in that way. But it was always really, it, it was kind of funny when we would have to correct them in this way because, um, and our son got many more spankings than our daughter, partly because I had a hard time spanking my daughter. I'm just going to be honest and tell you guys, I'm going to admit that now, uh, one of my faults as your pastor. Uh, Shelly would say, you know, Missy needs some correction, needs a spanking. So I'd take her in the room and I would talk to her and I'd say, okay, daddy has to give you a spanking. Okay, can you cry a little bit so mom thinks that this was, you know, I had a really hard time disciplining her. Now, Caleb, that was different. Get over here, boy. You know, that was different. Keeping it real. And I remember, though, Caleb, I would take him to his room. I'd, he'd settle down. I'd settle down. I'd come in. I would talk to him. I would pray with him. I'd say, now, Daddy doesn't want to have to do this, but I love you. I have to correct you, so I got it. What's going to happen? I got to get his bacon. Yeah, I got to get his bacon. And, and so I get ready to get his bacon, and he would always do the same thing. Wait, 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 wait. How many? How many? How many? He always had to know how many. And I'd go, uh, two swats, two swats. Or I'd say like three. And he'd always negotiate with me. How about two? How about two? Two and a half. You know, I'd say, okay, we get, we, we get the negotiations. Okay, two swats. And then I'd get ready. Okay, okay, daddy hates to have to do it. And I'd always tell him the same thing. This might be the last time you ever get a spanking. I'd tell him that every time. And finally, it was the last time. He was like 19. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, I think he was like six or seven. And so... I, I, I would, I would get ready to give it, and then he would, he would have to know how many, and I'd get ready to give him a couple of swats real quick, and then he would, wait, 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 not a hard one, not a hard one. He would always say that, not a hard one. You know, and then I would discipline him, and then I would hug him, and I would love on him, and we would, we would talk about it, and I did that not because I wanted to, but because I loved him, because I cared about him. I loved him enough to correct him. And our daughter too, when she would get in trouble, we loved them enough to correct them. You know, we've all seen this. Uh, we've, I've been out in public and I've watched parents try to uh, discipline their children, you know, and, and the different, you know, extremes of this. And I've been in restaurants and I've been in places and, and, you know, like there's a kid that like the demons have invaded his body and he's just flipping out, you know, and mom's like going, one, two, six, seven and a half. I'm like, somebody do something. It's like, come on. They're not going to respect any of that. And then I've been, I've, this actually happened to Shelly and I a couple of times. It's happened to me where I've had a parent actually had to administer some discipline to their kid right in the, you know, Walmart or King Supers out in public. And they see me see this and, and they don't know me and they go, I'm so sorry. And they feel really bad. And I'm like, hey, no, man, you go, girl. You need me to hold them down? I'm like, yeah. 
I give him another. I'm like, that is a kid who's going to respect their parent. I don't see that as being mean. That's loving correction. And the same is true about our good shepherd when it happens to us. Job understood this loving correction. He said this in Job 5.17. We'll put it on the screen. But consider the joy of those corrected by God. Now that's a weird statement. Woohoo! I'm being corrected by God. Do not despise the discipline, the correction of the Almighty when you sin. For though he wounds, watch this, he also bandages. He strikes, but his hands also heal. It's the loving correction of our good shepherd. They say that shepherds, loving shepherds, when they have a sheep that continues to wander off into danger, they will actually, the shepherd will take his staff and sometimes break the leg of the sheep or damage the leg of the sheep in order to correct them. Now, now don't tie that back to parents disciplining their kids. Let me just get that straight right there. I'm talking about sheep now, not kids. But the shepherd will break the leg of the sheep so the sheep has to depend on the shepherd. And the shepherd will take the sheep and put it over his shoulders. And he'll lovingly carry that sheep and nurse it back to health. And the rest of that sheep's life, it will be like a pet to the shepherd. That's how loving and caring the shepherd is, how much he wants to correct and protect. And Jesus allows us sometimes, church, to face the consequences of our sin and our bad decisions so that we'll learn from them. And he's doing it to protect us. Hebrews 12, 11 says this, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. Can I have an amen? No discipline is enjoyable. I mean, I've never been in a church testimonial service where somebody got up and said, I'd like to just share a testimony and praise God right now that I'm going through discipline. God is disciplining me right now because I've gotten off course. I've never had my teenagers, when they've gotten in trouble, say, Oh, thank you, Mom and Dad, for not allowing me to be with my friends. Thank you for that. Would you please take my phone as well? No. Discipline isn't enjoyable when we're being disciplined and when we're being corrected. But, but, what does Hebrews say? Afterward, after the correction, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. It's a loving correction. And our good shepherd is so loving, he's willing to correct us, to keep us out of harm and further danger and other bad decisions. And I can look back to some times in my life that I faced some of God's loving correction. And I didn't like it at the time, but I thank God for it now. I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for some of that loving correction. Anybody else been there? Say yes. He's a good shepherd. The good shepherd guides and provides he corrects so he can protect. That's the fourth thing. He protects. Psalm 23 verse 4 and 5 says this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I don't need to fear evil because my good shepherd's there. You're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They protect me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup does what? It runs over and there's this beautiful imagery here that maybe you've read and maybe you've memorized, but I, I want to take us a little deeper into what is, what is the psalmist saying here when he says that the good shepherd anoints the sheep's head with oil. They say that sheep, because they're so filthy, they attract a lot of flies. 
And flies sometimes will fly into the nostrils of the sheep and drive them crazy. And sometimes they'll even lay eggs in the sheep's nostrils and the larva will hatch. And the flies will get into the brain cavity and fly around and drive the sheep crazy. So much so that the sheep will go to rocks and they'll bang their head against the rocks and even kill themselves. And so what the shepherd will do is he will anoint their head with oil and their nostrils with oil. It was like an insect repellent. That's how much he wants to protect them and how loving and caring he is and what God does for us. And then he says, my cup runs over. And we tend to think that is just meaning blessing, but there's more to it than that. When it says that my cup runs over, what does that mean? Well, I remember when I was dating Shelly. We've been married 22 years now. When we first started dating, she was living with her parents until we got married. And so I would go over to her uh, parents' house, and I, we would hang out, and we'd be watching a movie or something, and I'd be wanting to stay, you know, as late as I could with my future wife. I'm like, man, I want to be with her. I want to hang out with her. And, and it'd get to be like 8, 30, 9 o'clock, and her dad, Dr. Randall, our care pastor, he'd come out, and he'd go, okay, Doug, well, I'm going to bed. And I'm like, okay, see you. And he's like, okay, time for you to go home. I'm like, it's only 8.30. I said, okay, well, good, good having you. And I, I thought he was just you know, trying to get rid of me. And now that we're married, even when we've hung out with him on vacation and been in their home, he, he's early to bed, early to rise, and he wants to go to bed really early. Nowadays, he's like, well, I'm going to bed. Guys, let yourselves out. And it was kind of his way of saying it's time to go. Well, in Old Testament Palestine times, whenever you would go to someone's house and you'd have a meal, as long as the host of the house kept your cup filled up, it meant they wanted you to stay. It was a cultural thing. But as soon as they would allow your cup to be empty, it was the nice, polite way of saying, it's time for you to go home. It's time for you to leave. You know, this still happens today in restaurants. When the waiter or the waitress lets your cup go empty, they're like, okay, I want you to go. I want somebody else to take this table. But what is David saying here, the psalmist, when he says, my good shepherd causes my cup to run over. I believe what he's talking about here is that we are always welcome in the presence of our good shepherd. We're always at home. We're always welcome. He always has time for us no matter what's going on in our life because he wants to protect us. And in verse six, he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How long church? Forever. That's the protection of the good shepherd. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am the good shepherd and I protect you. Now, this doesn't mean that everything is going to go perfect in life and we're not going to face any difficulties because we will. But what it means is this, whatever the good shepherd brings you to, he'll bring you through. He will protect you. He'll do something supernatural in and through you that only he can do. I want to wrap this up today. I am the good shepherd that Jesus says. With a parable that Jesus shared in Luke chapter 15 about the shepherd. And it's a beautiful picture. Listen to what it says in Luke 15, 4. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? What will the shepherd do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for what church? The one. Everybody say the one. He'll leave the 99 and he'll go search for the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. Let me ask you this this morning, church. Are you the one? Maybe God has brought you here today for this time in this place because you're the one. 
God has been speaking to you. This message was for you this morning. Maybe there was a time in your life that you were very close to Jesus, very close to the Good Shepherd, walking in fellowship with Him, but you know, life has just kind of taken its toll and you've gotten busy and it's pulled you away and you've wandered away from that intimate relationship you once had with Jesus Christ, your Good Shepherd. Maybe you haven't completely wandered off, but there's areas of your life you've wandered off. And today, he's looking for you. You're the one. He's saying, come back to me. Maybe for some of you, you your whole life has been preparing for this day and this moment. The good shepherd has been looking for you, waiting for you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to forgive your sins and give you eternal life and, and a home in heaven, and you get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And he's been just waiting for you to turn to him. You've been wandering aimlessly without direction through life, and it's time for you to accept the Good Shepherd as Lord and Savior. And the good news is the Good Shepherd has been looking for you. He cares about you. He knows your name. He loves you. Maybe you're the one this morning. Heard a story about a drama professor that was trying to teach this college class about being good actors and actresses and put on drama presentations. And so the professor one day decided to use the 23rd Psalm as an example of how to present yourself to a, a group. And he had it fully memorized. And so the professor got in front of the class and he started reciting very eloquently, by memory, the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And he was just eloquently, perfectly reciting the 23rd Psalm as an example to the class. And then he looked at the class and he said, now it's your turn. I'm going to choose one of you to try this. And there was a freshman in college, Christian girl, sitting on the front row who was very shy and very timid, which is one of the reasons she was taking this class. And he said, hey, why don't you come up here and try this? And she was scared to death. And she said, well, I don't have it memorized, but I know this psalm very well. And he said, well, just read it. And she began to read the 23rd Psalm, but she had gone through a lot of difficulties in her life. Her mom and dad had had all kinds of problems, and she had had abuse. Her mom and dad had divorced. And, and this 23rd Psalm was particularly meaningful to this Christian girl. And as she began to read the 23rd Psalm, she stumbled through it because she became overwhelmed with emotion. And tears began to fall down her face. And she could barely stumble her way through the reading of the 23rd Psalm because she was so overtaken and the meaning and the emotion of it. And she felt like she had failed and she sat down. And the professor of the class got up in front of the class and he said, well, there you have it. I know the psalm, but she knows the shepherd. And I ask you this morning, do you know the shepherd, the good shepherd? I am the good shepherd. Do you know him this morning? Are you the one? Would you bow your heads with me this morning for prayer? Heads bowed and eyes closed. For some of you today, the good shepherd has been looking for you your whole life. Waiting for this moment where you open your heart and your life to accept Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior. Where he'll forgive your sins. He'll give you eternal life. He'll begin to guide and provide and lovingly correct and protect your life. And if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he wants to become your good shepherd today. 
And, I, and you can make that decision today, right where you sit. You don't have to get up. You don't have to talk to anybody except the Lord. I want to lead you in a prayer of faith, a, faith, a, a prayer that you can pray from your heart to God's right where you sit right now. I'll help you with the prayer. It's not a magic prayer. They're not magic words. But if you put faith and belief behind it, you can accept the good shepherd into your life today. If that's you today, and you know that God is speaking to you, and you're the one, you're the one, would you pray this prayer with me from your heart to God's right now as you invite him into your life? It goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me that you rose again from the dead to pay for my sins. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my good shepherd. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, calling me by name on this day. Thank you. With heads bowed, nice clothes. Nobody looking around for a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I want to pray for you personally if you just made that decision. Would you just slip up your hand as a testimony so I could pray for you? And by raising your hand, you're saying, yes, I made that decision. God bless you, ma'am. Thank you. God bless you, young man. Thank you. God bless you. Anyone else? Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith just now, and I meant it from my heart to God to invite Jesus into my life as good shepherd. Anyone else? Just slip up your hand so I can see it. Put it down. Thank you. Father, I pray for those who are putting their faith and trust in you today as Lord and Savior. I pray that they grow in the days ahead closer to you every day as the good shepherd. That you would guide and provide and lovingly correct and protect their life. And that as a church, we can help disciple them in their walk with you. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today as a Christian, you, you know you're one of the good shepherd's sheep. But maybe he has spoken particular to you today through this message. There's a decision that you need to make, and you need to, you're saying, I need the good shepherd to guide this decision. Maybe there's a need that you have in your life or your family or your finances, and you'd say, I need the good shepherd to provide for me. And maybe you're facing some loving correction, and today God is saying, do you understand I'm doing this because I love you? And I've been looking for you. Maybe today you, you need to know you're facing some difficulties and challenges in your life. And you need to know the good shepherd is watching over you and he's protecting you. He's anointing your head with oil and your cup can run over. However the good shepherd has spoken to you this morning, Christians, can I pray for you if God has spoken to you? If you say, yes, God has spoken to me specifically today through this message. Can I pray for you? Would you slip up your hand for prayer all across the auditorium? God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands everywhere. Maybe there's a decision you know you need to make that you would follow the guidance. Can I pray for you? Thank you. Thank you. Let me pray for all of us. Father, we thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, your comfort. We thank you that you sent us Jesus Christ as the good shepherd who has laid down his life for the sheep. How can we but want to follow him? Lord, whatever guidance that we need in our life, we pray for your guidance. Whatever that needs to be provided, we, we thank you that you will provide. We thank you for the loving correction that is difficult and painful at the time, but we know you're doing it out of a heart of love and that you also bandage and you heal to bring us back in a right relationship with you so we don't bring further damage and danger to our life. And Lord, we thank you that you do all this to protect us because you are our good shepherd and we thank you for that. And may we stay close to our good shepherd and may we follow you as you call us by name and you lead us and we hear your voice. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we thank God for decisions today for Jesus Christ and our good shepherd? Amen.
you made a decision for Christ this morning, please let us know about that. If you accepted Christ, let us know about that on your connection card. Drop in the offering bucket when it comes by in just a moment. If you're a first-time guest today here at Orchard Church, thank you so much for being our guest. Um, if you filled out your guest connection card, you can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. Guest, listen, we are not interested in your money today, but we're definitely interested in getting to know you. And we're going to send you a thank you card in the mail and a, and a free gift. So let us know if you are a guest today. Thanks for being with us in that way. Hope you enjoyed the first week of I Am Jesus. Next week we're going to be talking about I Am the Vine. You do not want to miss it. It's going to be such a practical message next Sunday. Let's close with a song of worship and worship through giving. Stand with us if you will. And God bless you guys for being here today.